You're listening to Our Tunes. Music appreciation and digital media discourse. Welcome back to Our Tunes, season two. I'm Lewis. Hey, Lewis. I'm Brad. It's good to see you. Good to see you too, Brad. We took a little hiatus, a little break, take care of some stuff, and then we're back at it. And Brad, I have one question for you. It's really important. Yes. What are you listening to? Well, I got three albums I wanted to just mention that I've been sort of digging into over our uh, hiatus. One is Brian Eno's 1977 album, Before and After Science. It will shine and it will shudder as I guide it with my rudder on its metal wheels. It will cut the night before it as it leaves the day that's soaring on its metal waves. Nobody passes us in the deep quiet of the dark sky. Before he went, more in the ambient direction. It's definitely got like experimental rock stuff on it. Cool. Um, so definitely lots of interesting things, but he's also experimenting with all of his, you know, studio magic from the 70s. And um, the other two are way more recent. One is Widow's Peak's 2020 album Plum, which I got to put props out to uh, our friend Becky for introducing this album. It's a great one. And then the last one is Kate LeBond's 2019 album, Reward. I really, really highly recommend. saw Kate LeBon in concert. Concert was great. She's got a really cool sound. It's very different essences of like some Gary Newman electronic stuff with like some newer stereo lab sounds and I don't know, just super interesting music. So those are my three. Cool. How about um, you, Lewis? What have you been listening to? Well, I've been really enjoying the latest uh, Alex G record. Alex G's a Philly-based singer-songwriter. He's been very consistent. Like, I want to say we're like 10 albums into his discography at this point. His most recent release is called God Save the Animals. It's really, really good. It's got a lot of really straight pop songs, and then he always dabbles in a little bit of like experimentation. One of my favorite tracks so far is Cross the Sea. Across the sea, yeah, 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 yeah. You can't leave it to me, oh yeah. I cross the field for my baby. You can believe in me. 
his treatment of sound. It's very unique. It's very soothing. His discography is just improving with each subsequent release. He's just like getting better and better. A local gem, something to be proud of. Uh, I like, I like the fact that he's a Philly guy. There is something I want to clear the air about now that we're in season two. So there was a segment in our season finale from last season. We were describing the first music we remember hearing. I kind of misremembered one of my oldest or possibly first memories. We all make mistakes from time to time. We do. I appreciate your forgiving stance on this. So I had identified this pan flute band. Absolutely the first music I remember hearing, but I misidentified the band. There was this group in Tacoma Park, Maryland, where I grew up, called Tuparic. They're an Ecuadorian pan flute band, and they would go around and like play around town because there were a lot of folk festivals where I grew up, quote-unquote, world music. These guys definitely had a very unique thing going, definitely some of the first stuff that I remember listening to. To set the record straight, I also want to offer this track, which I think is one of my faves that they did. It's called Nuka Joawaska. Thanks, Lewis. Um, and for the record, uh, I have nothing to correct. <laughs> Must be nice. Yeah, well, reliable. <laughs> Speaking of the thing we both really love to enjoy together, live music. Mm -hmm. We went and saw Broken Social Scene play their seminal album, You Forgot It in People, which is 20 years old now. Kind of unbelievable. It was just amazing. I've, I've seen them a number of times now, but they continue to just blow me away every time. Long before this, I knew that Broken Social Scene was a band that Lewis and I could jive over any album. This is a band that's uh, kind of prolific, definitely has a wide range of sounds, mm -hmm. uh, you know, obviously a huge membership in the band. And so I was curious how much the songs that I like that Broken Social Steen Scene makes overlaps with the ones that you like. What are the things that you like about Broken Social Scene vis-a-vis -vis me? Absolutely. Brad, would you be so kind as to tell me what your number five song yeah. is? Coming in at number five on Brad's list, we've got Stars and Sons off of the album You Forgot It in the People. Really, the thing that I love about this song is the last minute and a half epic amp up, hand claps, this like really rocking guitar riff, some inaudible yells. 
this drum breakdowns, then all of a sudden there's this thing that sounds like a stalling airplane falling out of the sky. And I'm just like, you know, it just feels like they're they're taking you up into the atmosphere and then you're like crashing to the ground in the best possible way, I guess. Synth magic, hand clapping, and just like total <laughs> cacophony. Five. Lewis, what do right. you got? Number five. I felt like it would be a disservice if I didn't give credit to one of my favorite tracks off their debut album, Feel Good Lost. The track is Guilty Cubicles. Just the most simple song, definitely a loop. There's looped guitars. Everything else is embellishment on that. I can't not hear this song and be whisked away, be completely mellowed, lovely, like lilting guitar tones. Again, synth magic is going on all the time. There's just these little microscopic bleeps and bloops going on. Whenever I hear that song, I'm often like, is this a loop that those guys just really like? Like they were just yeah. like, they found the loop, they put it on and walked away. And yeah. I listen to that album at work a lot, mm. and I'm always unsure of how I'm supposed to feel about the song title. <laughs> Do you feel guilty? It makes me reflect upon what I'm doing in my cubicle. <laughs> I think that's honestly a big thing about this band in general, is that lyrics, song titles, album titles, everything is meant to be, I think, very evocative. It makes me consider what's going on there. Mm-hmm. All right, number four on Brad's list, uh, Art House Director off of Forgiveness Rock Record. Art House Director, Art House Director, we lost magic later until tomorrow night. Art House Director, Art House Director, let the waters part into an empty heart. I would say this is another song for me that's like a real hype up song. Mm -hmm. I love the horn arrangements. Like I feel like I'm like at this like 50s club that's in somewhere subtropical or tropical. Bongo situation. Yeah, yeah. I thought I would gravitate to a certain style of song. Mm -hmm. But when I was actually looking at the songs that really stood out to me, like memorable as individual songs, they're the songs that like they hype you up. Yeah. Like I just, I love the dynamic range. Like there aren't a lot of, bands or songs that can make me feel like I'm ready to go. <laughs> I don't listen to the lyrics a lot. I have no idea why the art house director is <laughs> getting me so amped up, but it's a good one. So my number four, the revamped version of a song they have called Major Label Debut this is the fast version. original version of the song is like very slow beautiful a lot of little flourishes and the fast one just like you were saying right it gets you amped up like it starts off with this just little croaking guitars and little banjo and then it just like takes off breakneck speed 
there's these really great guitar parts. It's like hard to hear this song and not feel good. All right. Coming in at number three on Brad's list is Seven Four Shoreline off of their self-titled album. on it's a song in seven four yep great bass line and guitar riff that carry it pretty much through almost the whole song you know it's another song that's like get up and go horn theme that comes in at the end of the song that really like pushes it over the edge and there's so many guitars going on below the surface uh, yeah i love that song so my number three pick pacific theme off of you forgotten people This is the second on my list that is a purely instrumental track. This is a track that showcases, again, the incredible dynamics of this band. And this has it all, right? It's got keys, it's got horns, it's got this different kinds of percussion. It's got these beautiful guitar leads, like this kind of almost surfy guitar that has the main melody. And the drums in the song are one of my favorite things about it. There's just these little drum breaks. It really showcases the drummer, Justin Paroff, like, he makes the song, right? The structures exist independent of him, but like without him, it just wouldn't happen. Great song. Amazing song. Yeah. Number two on Brad's list is Backyards mm. off of Beehives. This is a band with many artists coming together, playing together, and somehow they figure out how to create space for each other. If you're all trying to play something and you're not listening to each other, it's just going to sound cacophonous. Yeah. They have lots of space for drums, bass, vocals, keyboards, banjos, locked into this groove. Could listen to that track all day. (laughs) Yeah. Incredible song. So my number two. Another track off of You Forgot It and People, Almost Crimes. Amazing song a song we were fortunate enough to hear them play live. It's another one of those songs that just takes off, right? It's a high tempo song. I feel like they do a really good job of giving a mixture of like extremely mellow down tempo stuff. But this song is like driving, just kicks off and it does not stop. There's a sax solo that's really great. There's this kind of duality that exists in this song. Dissonance in the chorus, right? The chorus hits these really kind of like muddy chords at times. They rise out into a major resolve. 
But meanwhile, the verses are highly melodic. But there's also this conversation that's going on between Kevin Drew and Feist, almost their mission statement. We've got love and hate. It's the only way. It sounds cheesy and looking at it on paper, it's not like a deeply poetic thing. In this song, it works so effectively. Extremely pleasing to me. I've listened to that song many, many times over, and I can't wait to go back and listen to it based on what you just said. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Your number one, Number one. Hit me. Well, it happens to be the Pacific theme. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, You've forgotten the people. So this song puts me in a good mood. Guaranteed. I feel like in my mind, there are songs that make me want to move my body Mm. in a very positive way. You do a little shoulder shimmy. Like you could be sitting down, you could be standing up, you could be driving. It just puts the groove into your soul. Pacific theme does that for me. Wonderful syncopation. For me, my shoulders always want to hit the twos and fours. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know why, but... Um, it's elbow, just a group. Elbows are ones and threes. Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, this was just an easy number one. The yeah. other four were hard for me. Yeah. This one I knew from the beginning was going to be number one. It grooves so hard. Great pick. Thank you. So, my number Drum one roll. is Ibby Dreams of Pavement. This is a song that it's so easy to say again that they have like a template for songs that have this almost stereotypical epic quality to them, right? Like swell and then it'll kind of go down a little bit and then it'll come back up and the epic crescendos that they do, I just don't think are done to the same caliber. This is another song where every time I listen to it on headphones that I hear something new, almost noise, like layers to them. The beginning sounds chaotic. It's like there's a siren, like the guitar mm-hmm. playing really sounds like street noise, like there's so much going on. The lyrics in this are also, I think, wonderful. One of the lines that really hits me is, don't get high on what you create. It might just steal you. They have a habit of putting in these very brilliantly succinct lines that kind of sum up what they're about. And this is one of those moments that shines the brightest for me. I learned how to play this song. It's a very simple pop song, right? Mm-hmm. But the ingredients of it that they put in are so unique and they are so full of feeling and like intention and they put so much meaning into it that it really just just knocks me down. A band that we both love, I will love forever, and that just doesn't seem to be able to make a bad song. All right, I gotta say, that was a lot of fun. Looks just like the sun Looks just like you Looks just like the sun Looks just like it But it looks just like the sun 
looks just like this is homework. So Brad, Lewis, we might not have touched on this in the final episode. If I remember correctly, if memory serves, you assigned me an album for homework. It is the self-titled album by Jaco Pistorius. And oh my God, <laughs> amazing. Do you want to give me a little background on this album? Probably the main instrument I learned in my formative years was the electric bass guitar. You know, my bass guitar teacher told me who I should be checking out. He was like, well, of course, you know, Geezer Butler from Black Sabbath, Jack Bruce from Cream. But if you know, if you really want to take it to the next level, you need to start listening to guys like Jaco Pistorius. And I remember at the time, like, I, I got this album. Yeah. And I was just like, how do you even play this fast? Yeah. Like, I, it's just, impossible. He was a machine. He played the bass unlike anyone else before him. His name precedes him. Sometimes I think some of his best work can get kind of lost in sort of the famousness. Mm. I like this album a lot, and I feel like it was probably the statement that he was able to put together and leave. Incredible. Even though I definitely heard about him, I had never taken a focused listen to his music. My first musical instrument was electric bass, and I was playing fairly simple stuff, looking for influences, but I think I gravitated towards guitar eventually because I think that's where I wanted to end up. So I didn't get a chance to have my bass player phase with Jocko that this guy made the music he did with only like 35 years of life. Incredible. He's actually a local guy. He's from Norristown, Pennsylvania, but spent a lot of his life in Florida. I also read about the story of his death, which is really gnarly. Lots of mental health problems, was abusing drugs and alcohol. One night he tried to sneak into a Santana concert and got thrown out, approached a nightclub and got his ass kicked by a guy who was literally like a karate master. Yeah, so and he wild. was like a professional bouncer. Yeah. Like it was a guy who was working the door. Yeah, like a roadhouse uh, style <laughs> Swayze role, perhaps. Despite reading all of that uh, somewhat depressing background, I was still able to thoroughly enjoy this album just because of the pure energy. The opportunity for an artist as good as this to get the pure form of their expression down on tape, just wild. Like he was 25 years old when he recorded this album. He recorded with Herbie Hancock and Lenny White, the drummer who's also drums for Return to Forever, which is a like jazz supergroup. Personnel on this record is totally wild. The bass playing is otherworldly i think he ends up on the high part of the neck of the bass like so often ridiculous runs polyrhythmic stuff harmonics and all at once it strikes me that this is not a time when there was a lot of overdubbing i settled on a couple three songs that really stood out to me the first one being used to be a cha-cha just takes off it's like 148 beats per minute it's just so fast breakneck speed the drumming is fast herbie hancock's piano is incredibly fast there's these dueling solos that kind of happen between like herbie and Jocko. there's a herbie hancock solo that is just like completely mind-blowing Jocko's ability to play melody with bass is like a thing that stood out to me in a huge way and the idea that five, only five people can make this number of sounds at one time, not an idea I could get my head around. 
There is this song that features prominent vocals by a famous like soul duo. It's called Come On, Come Over. Come on, come over As fast as you can feels like too straight almost for the rest of the album. You still get that sense of bass as a melodic instrument, but the bass is still on display here, just like everywhere. Multi-instrumentalist stuff going on as well. There's lots of bongos, there's guitars, there's synths, there's horns playing. Yeah, it is a like soul funk track. Like yeah. It does stand out as being different. Pretty cool to put it on the album. And did you catch who the who the duo was? I forget. Tell me. It's uh, Sam and Dave. Yeah. I'm curious to know like how this arrangement came to be. Mm-hmm. They were famous for their recordings on Stax where they played uh, Soul Man mm-hmm. and uh, Soul Duo for a long time before this. Yeah. I mean, it's a great song. I think it's cool that he, he included this on the album. And yeah. I mean, getting someone like Sam and Dave, that's pretty neat. This was a, another thing I read about him, right? Like at the time when he was, you know, in his heyday. He would literally introduce himself as the best bass player in the world, yeah. which is a little bit cocky, but at the same time, <laughs> absolutely justified. Like when you listen to this guy play, I guess that's one way he got into the band Weather Report. It's just by just sheer bravado, sheer like, I am going to outdo whatever bass player you have, so you should hire me to play. I listened to one of their one of the songs he did with Weather Report, which is a cover of Birdland. Oh, it's yeah. The Maynard Ferguson song. It's weird because it's a song that came out in the 70s, like this version of it, and it sounds really 80s. It's just, <laughs> just, just the way the like kind of the synths are popping off and there's like some interesting keyboard tones going on. Yeah, some sort of cheese setting yeah. turned up high. Yeah, they, they really overdid it on that. <laughs> you can still hear the pure Jocko in the background of it. For a person that's as talented as him, it's probably really hard to be like put into a box, which brings me to maybe my favorite track, which was Portrait of Tracy. Mm-hmm. a solo bass track i think it's just him playing straight through this song completely wild when i listen to what's going on that he has mastery of literally everything he's doing harmonics melody chords he's playing with such like dexterity beautiful haunting Would you call it a ballad it, it could be considered it's, a ballad it's slow so to me that is like up there as like a signature jocko song yeah Mainly because I wonder how many people on the planet can actually play this thing. And it's mainly the harmonics that he plays. Like, it's Mm. like even trying to get a bass guitar to make these sounds, even it's not just a speed thing. It's a like a clear note 
that is a harmonic. And, and if you don't know what a harmonic is, when you hear this song, you'll hear it. It's a very high-pitched sound. It's not what the bass is made to play. Like, no one made a bass to be like, oh, don't forget, you need to build in the harmonics. <laughs> yeah. It's more like someone was just, like, messing around and was like, I want to figure out how to make every single noise possible off of this instrument. I remember toiling over my bass trying to figure out how to play this song. Mm. Could, could never get close. It's great that a thing like this exists because it's a document of as far as you can go with an electric bass, pretty much. There's different things going on with electric bass guitar. I think like Thundercat, for instance, definitely has a different skill repertoire that is definitely virtuosic. This is like groundbreaking, right? There wouldn't be a Thundercat without a Jocko. It's not only hard to follow in technically, it's it's almost like, you know, how do you build off of it? Yeah. Um, it's amazing to hear this kind of expression that is literally just like this person channeling who they are through an instrument. It's undeniable. I'd see him as like a tragic figure. I mean, yeah. right around the time this album came out was when he put out his albums with Weather Report, but he didn't last very much longer in that band. It seemed like he had a hard time holding down regular membership and bands. To me, this album was like the pinnacle of music he was he was making and i would imagine he would have had more to give if you know he was not in such a difficult sort of mental place and yeah instabilities in his life it definitely makes it really tragic not every musician has two albums in them that are this this much an ex pure expression of themselves but the idea that he could have gone on to create so many different things to be embedded with all these great jazz figures mm. like of that time. It's definitely it hurts to think about. Yeah. I was actually looking at the personnel list again. And the one the one guy who my honorable mention track on here is the Aconcole y Trompa, mm -hmm. which is another like instrumental track that features uh, this guy, Don Elias. This guy's you know discography a little bit and he worked with people across so many different spectrums of music right he was deep into jazz he played with miles he played with pat metheny he played with nina simone Joni mitchell santana james taylor like he played with so many different greats and i feel like honestly he's not the star of the show right he's he's a percussionist who added some really wonderful flavor to these songs but a person like jocko could have gone on to do so many amazing collaborations if you know things have been a little different for him you mentioned herbie hancock he definitely stands out mm -hmm. it's like a huge part of this album after herbie hancock's contributions i would put don don elias on there he might be on every single track yeah um but even that opening track uh donna lee which mm. is practically a very straight ahead bop song that's like crazy Don Elias is just like 
keeping up with like hand drums. Yeah. Them being able to find a groove together was just amazing. Is it the same thing with Herbie Hancock where I'm just like, how are they all keeping up with each other? Yeah. There isn't a bad track on the album. <laughs> Agree. A really wonderful experience. If you're ready. Lay it on me. I've got some homework for you. All right. This homework also revolves around a tragic figure. One, Elliot Smith. <laughs> one of my all-time favorite artists. The album is Either Or, which is an album he released in 1997. I can't wait to hear what you think about it. I can say in advance, I don't know that I've ever actively listened to Elliot Smith. This will be new territory. I would say this is neither neither his best album nor my favorite album, but I think it has a lot of very important things that showcase his ability to be a very gifted songwriter. This has been the season premiere, season two of Artunes. Artunes podcast is hosted by Lewis Weil and Brad Lanute, produced by Robert Hughes. Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Instagram at Artunes Podcast or on Twitter at Artunes Pod. If you have something you think we should listen to, drop us a line, tweet at us, comment, subscribe. Thank you. Thanks for listening. It kind of just catches some of the the airy noise that your mouth puts out. You know, your noisy mouth. It's, It's an attempt to limit that. I do have a noisy mouth.